Welcome to the Diagnosing Dementia During COVID-19 podcast. This six-part podcast is brought to you by the Understanding Dementia Diagnosis Research Team and funded by the Economic and Social Research Council. everyone and welcome to our fourth episode. My name is Lindsay Kinnaird and I am a researcher on the project. In this episode we are focusing on co-production of research with stakeholders, also called patient and public involvement in research, and we are joined by Rosie Ashworth. Rosie is experienced in co-producing research with people with lived experience of dementia, working in the NHS, University of Stirling and the University of Edinburgh. Rosie is also a researcher on the Dementia Diagnosis Project and is working with our co-production colleagues, who we refer to as BUDS, which is short for Better Understanding Dementia Diagnosis Advisory Group. Hi Rosie, thank you for joining us. Hello. Can you please tell us what patient and public involvement and co-production in research is? So patient and public involvement is a term that's used a lot in clinical settings to refer to engaging with people with lived experience. Co-production is then used when focusing more on research, although having said that, the terms are regularly used synonymously. Um, There's not a consistent definition for either, and the level of involvement that they refer to can vary quite a lot. Um, So for some people, it means consulting on decisions that have already been made um, through to co-creation, which is where they're involved in the full process. In my work, people with lived experience of dementia have chosen to refer to themselves as partners in research instead of a patient and public involvement group, as they felt it was less clinical, more inclusive and reflected the commitment to collaboration. In the Dementia Diagnosis Project, our co-production colleagues, or BUDS, have been involved throughout the process. This includes in the design and analysis of results as well as telling people about the research, such as through things like this podcast and soon to be animated film. In your experience, what are the main benefits of this approach? Co-production has uh, several benefits, but the two key benefits that come to mind for me is that it allows for research ideas that are more relevant to the group you are working with to be focused on, as opposed to developing ideas on your own or of your own interest. And moving forward, the research design can be one that's more accessible and hopefully more inviting for people to get involved in. Ultimately, this this leads to more relatable findings, which you would hope means they have a greater impact or they're more likely to change everyday life and practice. In the Dementia Diagnosis Project, Bud's lived experience has made a huge difference um, in how we look at the research and how the research is shaped. They've had really important contributions, which we think makes the research significantly better. What are the challenges to this approach? As a researcher, one of the biggest challenges is that it's a relatively new approach, which means you can face additional obstacles, uh, particularly in justifying your approach or, I suppose, convincing people that it's the right way to go. Ethics and things can take longer because it doesn't fit with a more traditional model of research. 
and that can make it difficult to make sure the right resources are available. I think for working with people with lived experience of dementia, one of the biggest challenges can be frustration around what's achievable and understanding some of the barriers in place that shape how much flexibility there is for different types of research. Within that flexibility, there's also the need to work on dementia time. So where time is an important factor in co-produced research, you often might need more time or more flexibility about how that time is used. And that doesn't always fit with the way we plan research and research timelines. It's also important to recognise that there's differences in the type of dementia research that's going on and how much power people can have to have meaningful change within those designs. So, for instance, there are very different barriers around co-production in, say, a medical trial compared to a social science project. How can researchers and research institutions support this approach and reduce barriers to participation? I think as researchers, we need to make sure that there is accessible training as a key part of supporting co-production. You've got to be willing to challenge your own understanding of science and the research and break down everything you know to make it as accessible as possible. Otherwise, it's a bit like trying to co-create without recognising that you're speaking a different language to the group or that the jargon you're using is not as everyday language as you might think. So there needs to be a shared understanding to really make sure that you are working together on that kind of shared platform. Um, you might be bringing different expertise, but everyone needs to feel that they are able to contribute at the same level. Another way to reduce barriers is to offer different ways of doing the research. As we've learned during COVID-19, for example, providing different ways for people to get involved, such as working from home, could help to reduce barriers for people with caring responsibilities or health conditions which may make leaving home challenging. Institutions can also seek to support co-production better through support provided to co-producers, such as access to resources, suitable payment to recognise their contributions, and as already mentioned, through flexible processes and timelines. Do you find people who may not usually participate in research or who we do not normally reach are more likely to get involved? I think in co-produced research, there is a move away from doing research on or to people towards doing research with people. I find that a lot of people who come forward for co-produced research are actually people that feel failed by the participation process in traditional research. I think this is where we get the sense of academia and the types of research going on being within an ivory tower um, and not suited to people on the ground. There's unfortunately a lot of examples where research participation means people do not feel they've been valued, listened to or recognised for their expertise. Co-production hopefully offers an alternative experience to research where in some cases you can understand some of the reasons research may have been done the way it was, but you can also see how to improve it for the better. Having said that, there are still a lot of people that we would like to reach that may not be reached by co-production in the sense that not everyone wants to be a researcher necessarily. And we need to continue to challenge this idea of what research is and it's not necessarily being a guinea pig or being experimented on and break down some of those barriers before we can start getting people to come forward into something that may be better than they first perceive. 
has the pandemic influenced co-produced research? Yes, it definitely has. The pandemic's opened up research opportunities for a lot of people, particularly those in more rural settings who may struggle to find local co-production opportunities. Our co-researchers, or the Budge Group, are based in different areas across Scotland, including some more rural. Some people may also feel more comfortable participating from home, and it can help manage some of the clinical guinea pig stereotypes still around with research. However, there is a real technology divide in terms of both access to appropriate technology and confidence in using it. Therefore, if research continues in a remote fashion, I think we'll need to think of new ways of supporting people without this access or expertise to be included. Is there anything else you would like to share about co-production? I think there's a few things that are worth noting around co-production. I think as we move forward, it's important that not just co-produced research is accessible, but we make sure that as much scientific research as possible can be presented in a way that's open and accessible to the public. I think as researchers, we have a responsibility to make sure that what we do around dementia research is accessible to people who have lived experience of the condition. Co-production is obviously a really strong way of being able to start doing that, but I think it should weave into everything we do as those core values. In doing that, I think we might start to break down some of the ivory tower detachment of kind of academia uh, with what's going on in the real world and co-production acts as a bridge to that. It also doesn't take away from the skills that researchers have and it's not, you know, it's not a bad thing to embrace the lay approach. It doesn't change um, your skills as a researcher. Both both sides are coming in. I also think there's a slight risk that with some co-produced research, in some ways it can be a victim of its own success in that by funders and things making it important and needed to have public involvement in research proposals for funding, you're not necessarily being able to show how those core values have been weaved in throughout and there's a risk that it could become a tick box exercise. So I think it's really important that when we use these terms, we're really thinking about the underlying ethos more than the label itself and making sure that we really do include people in as much of the process as possible. So how can people get in touch with you, Rosie? The best way to get in touch would either be through Twitter, which is at Dr R Ashworth, or by email, which is rosalie.ashworth at nhs.scot. Thank you for speaking with us today, Rosie. That's no problem. Thank you for having me. And if anyone has any questions, feel free to get in touch. We asked the co-production group for this project and podcast, BUDS, why they had joined the group and what they had enjoyed the most about it. We'd like to end by sharing these with you. So I joined BUDS because generally I have an interest in supporting any sort of research that's being undertaken from universities. So I kind of thought that if I can help in any way, I'd, I'd like to be involved. I was particularly interested in the BUDS group as well as I was a carer for someone with dementia. So having lived experience, um, I thought I could help in some way and provide some more insight 
um, into our experiences as a family living with dementia. At the start of the project um, and my involvement, I, at the time, I think I, I wasn't really sure how much value I could actually add, but was happy to kind of be involved and see how it how it went. But on reflection, it's just been great working alongside the researchers. And I think we've all really felt like we are helping the researchers develop um, the research strategy at every stage um, from the start up until now. I think I've enjoyed the last few sessions the most where um, I think as a group we've just been working so well together um, and and we've kind of bounced ideas off each other when we've been analysing the results from the interviews and grouping them into thematic areas. Um, and like I say, we have all worked really well together um, and the discussions just flow really naturally. So it hasn't felt hard going and um, and as well, credit to the team of researchers that they're, they're generally very positive towards any feedback we give. And there is a, just a feeling of that they're, they're genuinely grateful for our involvement um, and give really positive feedback all the time. And it has been a pleasure to work with them. It's the meeting with you all when we meet. Um, <laughs> I do feel I kind of know you a bit. Anyway, I know it would be different if we met in real life, Elaine, and it would be lovely to meet in real life. But um, there's a great warmth when we meet, and I find that lovely. I joined because I've got a long-standing interest in research, and I wanted to use the knowledge and understanding that I gained through my personal experience and also my working life. And um, I think what I enjoy about the BUDS group is um, listening to other perspectives, that our thoughts and ideas have been given weight in this whole process. And the sense that the group has made a difference in cooperating with the researchers. I've thoroughly enjoyed being part of this because I like the group dynamic and I think the discussions have been stimulating. Uh, if you want to know why I, I became involved, as much as anything else, it was to support Margaret to make sure that uh, we could both contribute. I think, I think the voices of people living with dementia in its many forms uh, need to be part and parcel of any research to make that research a richer process. Well... I never really planned to have dementia and uh, I wanted to put the, my experiences to good use. And so joining the group, um, I have to say it's not a, a selfless act because I really want to be useful. <laughs> and so I think it's satisfied my yearning to be useful. <laughs>Thank you for listening today. We have been speaking about co-producing research with stakeholders and people with lived experience of dementia. 
Thank you to Rosie and Buds for sharing their experiences with us. If you want to know more about the project, you can visit us at the Alzheimer Scotland Dementia Research Centre website.